It's Happy Times and Places, a podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, watch Doctor Who and try to only say nice things about it, cajoled by a friend who's chosen a story that they love and has picked their favourite things about it. I have to see if I can guess what those are. My name is David Quantic. I'm a comedy writer, mostly. I write other things and I do broadcasting. The story I am nominating is Genesis of the Daleks. Well, welcome everybody to part three of Genesis of the Daleks, getting the happy times and places treatment courtesy of my guest David Quantic, who I have never met, but whose name I have seen burned into the credits of many a great television show, so uh, it's with suitable deference and much gratitude that I thank him for choosing. Interesting, isn't it, how this was a story that was not chosen because, uh, as I record this, I've got loads waiting to go, but I've rush-released Genesis, which is uh, which is the, the actually the latest one that anyone has recorded their thoughts to me for, and I've got, you know, 50 or so waiting at least. Some people have recorded their things a year ago. Um, but David has a book out, I think, as this is released, this week, November the 2nd, 2021 his big quiz book uh, which sounds like a lot of fun uh, and he wanted to plug it so uh, I was asking around for podcasts uh, and this isn't a pluggy podcast but it is one where you say what you like about a Doctor Who story and then throw a plug in if you want to so uh, I've offered him that and he's done it which is very kind of him so uh, he's chosen so far the fact that he watched Genesis of the Daleks with his friend uh, and he's chosen Harry Sullivan whereas I have chosen uh, the film work in part one and uh, Davros in part two. It's an embarrassment of riches, this story. It's a genuine classic, albeit one, as I say, that hadn't been chosen. Emma Reeves nearly chose Genesis of the Daleks and then went for Time time Latch instead. So it could have been a really, really early one. Uh, but uh, she she went for something slightly different. So I have paused between episodes one and two. So maybe you're on episode selection, but I'm going to press play. In three, two, one. Now it's on silent. That's why you can't hear anything. There we go. Uh, so that's it. Did start when it was supposed to. So uh, here we are. Genesis of the Daleks three. So Sarah Jane has uh, has paused in midair. She's done the David Maloney freeze frame, which I love as a as a as a little thing that he does. Um, in a few of his Doctor Who's, Deadly Assassin One, Planet of Evil, with the Doctor falling into the, into the into the black puddle, um, but this is a great sequence, um, and and we go back uh, a little bit. So, I think Richard Reeves gets a credit, doesn't he, for being Khaled leader on this? Even though all he actually does is to do what he did last week. So uh, unfortunately, he gets to die twice. But there's some great stunt work. The lighting here is fabulous. Um, yeah, so uh, we've I've already talked about this. So so let's talk about the the cassette. Uh, it's I think that cassette is so uh, brilliantly put together and bits like that uh, you could hear on the cassette. It's amazing which bits to think which bits of the story uh, they kept and and which they didn't and which are so familiar familiar to me. And there's a bit coming up uh, which is dispensed with in one line and the really horrific aspects of it. Um, uh, a cut, although I do remember them being in the omnibus that I watched. Well, the 
the the Doctor Who and the the monsters omnibus. But we'll we'll talk about that. So so there were so I guess that's supposed to be a platform that's jutting out. But I don't. Yes, you can see now now that I'm looking for it. But I've seen people writing online going, well, it's just a cheat because she falls inside. She doesn't. She actually falls outside. Uh, but I think. I, I, that's not quite clear. I think that's a fair misunderstanding people make. But no, uh, she it's 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 a it's a little balcony. It's a little plank sticking out of the edge, um, f- you know, for obviously um, rocket workers to sit and have their sandwiches on during a uh, a dystrotic toxemia break. Dystrotic toxemia. There's so many words in this that uh, are so etched in my brain. But of course, I didn't. You had to imagine all of this when listening to the cassette. I, do go on about the cassette during this, isn't it? You and your cassette, Toby. Why don't you just get a room? Well, I, I mean, I did. I, I did get a room with the cassette. Um, and in fact, I also, because my cassette was getting so sort of stretched and overplayed, is I copied it onto another tape. But because that tape was longer on each side than uh, the tape, the commercial tape... Um, I actually edited my own cliffhanger halfway through the second part and, and actually edited the, the cliffhanger of, of this, which we will talk about later because it's different from the cliffhanger in the TV cliffhangers. But I edited my own uh, cliffhangers. That's part of being a fan, isn't it? Creating your own versions or or, or just, just sort of wanting to be involved. I didn't need another copy, really. I was just sort of justifying to myself that I could I could mess about and it's how you learn about how to make things, and I think we've all done that, uh, whether it's people who can draw, who've made their own video covers, or, uh, yeah, my rudimentary editing uh, was, was uh, and, and I, I mean, I do that now with podcasts and with, with videos. I taught myself to use iMovie, uh, you know, doing in-memoriam videos, uh, uh, and indeed the, uh, the YouTube version of this, which is quite time-consuming, which is why we're only on one camera, because uh, I've decided to make life easier for myself. Um, uh, now this is uh, this is where the, so so actually the, on the cassette on the cassette uh, you just hear Hilary Minster here General von Klinkerhofen and also Marat in Planet of the Daleks so we have Thal continuity but he was a nice Thal and this is this is what's clever about this story is that the Thals are, are, are nice in Doctor Who history but at this point in the Dalek War. Actually, there are no goodies and baddies, and this sadistic guard uh, helps the plot not a jot, but it just goes to show that actually in this war, both sides are doing pretty grim things, and let's not just mistake the fact that, uh, you know, the Khalids look like Nazis, but the Thals are sort of blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and uh, uh, <laughs> they have the uh, Aryan Terry Nation thing going on. So... Um, uh, you know that that makes the the morality a little less black and white or black and blonde, uh, shall we say? Um, but in the cassette, you just had Hillary Minster going, "Come on back down here," and then it cut. Uh, and of course, that's all you need for the plot. To you know, Sarah has been recaptured, but that little extra couple of minutes, uh, and you know, it's guy playing what is he Thal soldier Thal guard, but he gets a bit of sadistic character work, so it's nice for the actor. It, it it helps to texture the the world. It's it's pretty far away from you know what Doctor Who was doing a year before. You can't imagine somebody on the in the corridors of Peladon doing that. Um, but just to remind you, it's Doctor Who. Here are the terrible giant clams. I mean, t- Tom Baker really tries to sell this. He's got disgust on his face. He's doing. He does that sort of. Ah! 
uh, thing, but he's, you know, he's wielding a polystyrene rock uh, and, and hitting a giant clown with it. Oh, and breaking off a polystyrene stalactite. I mean, this is, you know, if if you are doing a... Let's edit Genesis of the Daleks to uh, make it have a smoother running time. You definitely go, let's get rid of the giant clams. Um, they used to so upset me because this was, uh, you know, this I knew this was a fairly infallible Doctor Who story. And then you go, oh, no. And I bet that's the bit where my brother walks in. Um, I mean, they really try and sell it and the idea that you get bruises when you're, you're bitten by a clam and all that sort of thing. It's it's a, it's a an attempt to keep it real. But, uh, uh, you know, you you can't pull... Well, can you pull... I don't think you could pull stalactites or stalagmites. Tights you pull up, stalagmites uh, off the ceiling. And certainly you you know that that rock would have cut your hands open and taken some some effort although tom baker did put the effort in but you could tell it was polystyrene um and this is great um this is the genesis of the daleks and this is uh, tom georgeson uh dixie dean in boys from the black stuff an excellent excellent actor who's not been brilliantly served by doctor who he's he's i think he's rather uneasy as carville here um he's a he's a scouser isn't he uh uh but it, it, yeah so you've got a a, a, a scouser is he a scouser i think scouser doing uh, he's very cockney and between the lines which uh, is an excellent uh, murky police drama that uh, uh, he was co-starred with Neil Pearson and Siobhan Redmond in in the 90s. It's had a little bit of a resurfacing on BBC4 in Line of Duty fervour. And his second second lead in that is Harry the Chainsmoking. But he's very cockney in that. Um, but so you've got a, a Geordie actor in a Scouser here having to wrangle uh, RP because you're not allowed regional carleds. Um but he's an excellent actor, Tom Georgeson, and certainly had a golden period in the 80s and 90s. He's in A Fish Called Wonder as well. And he returns to Doctor Who as the police inspector in Logopolis. Um, I love all this. And I think a lot of this sort of, uh, you know, Khalid politicking is kind of, is certainly lost in the cassette. Um, but you get this. You get... Uh, uh, you get the politics, which I, I I like and I sort of believe it. You suddenly with civilians and the idea that, you know, the, m m in, in, a, in a believable society, the military can't just do things. And, and you know, Khaled's aren't, Khaled's aren't all the same. There are different factions. And the doctor in a six-parter can uh, try diplomacy um, and... and Baker is so good at giving this sort of import um, and he's deadly serious and yet still beguiling and watchable and strange. But he, you know, he's he's playing this absolutely straight, although he's in a, you know, 20 foot long scarf and he, you know, uh, look, looks like a bizarre wizard. Um, but you've and I and I and I, th and I think the costuming of the of the civilians is an attempt to make them look you know sort of like civil servants but from this this particular um place that they've the visual that they've created um and and i mean it doesn't really go anywhere um well it does of course because because the the the, the civilian government 
interfere and that makes Davros destroy his own people. Um, which, of course, is all stuff that wouldn't have happened had the Doctor not been there. But the Doctor has to be a plausible figure to be, uh, you know, to be to be seen by these people. And, and I think Tom Baker absolutely sells it. Um, Max Faulkner behind uh, behind the mask there is the guard, a great servant to Doctor Who, but uh, a stuntman, so he's going to get punched or thrown over by somebody at some point. Um, and it's... It's a great look, isn't it, at this? Because, we, we, you know, the Daleks we take for granted as, you know, these merciless machine beasts, but this is an entirely plausible backstory for them that actually they had to be created and then planned for and, and some people would object to them and, and or, or object to them as they are and want them to be tweaked slightly. I, I think it's all, you know, it's all very clever how this, this story is built up and so compellingly told through the character of Davros uh, with the brilliant, brilliant uh, sidekick of, of, of Peter Miles um, uh, and, uh, and poor old Ronson's card is marked. Um, that's a great shot. I think I've seen that's been used as a screen grab in Doc 2 magazine of, uh, of, of, Nida and, and and Davros together, but what I I, th I think because our, our our sort of cliched image of Davros as the sort of there he is tapping his finger of the sort of yelling megalomaniac. Well, Michael Wisher does that so well when he needs to be Dalek-y. but it's amazing when you when you see this when you're not used to seeing this in six parts. As I'm not as used to seeing it in six parts as 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 probably other iterations. Is 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 the time it, it gives him to patiently tap his fingers and to size up his opposition uh, and he's you know he's not unhinged and out of control even when he's yelling it's a sort of clipped control yelling so he's you know he's not one of his weaknesses is not the fact that he gets carried away he's cunning um Ivor Roberts here as Mogren I think he was uh was he a, I think he was an announcer for HTV Wales or something like that he's a uh as, as well as being an actor um but it's amazing how much of this is in the uh uh in in the cassette because it's not actually that long they boil it down very effectively um lovely guy signer he's uh, he's one of the few doctor who star trek universe crossovers because he was um he was uh dominic he spent some time in america i think he's got american blood heritage so he was uh, i think one of his parents might be american so he he he's he's had a bit of a career in the states and he's in uh star trek enterprise as dominic keating's character's dad i think uh, i'm not i'm not a, a, a you know i'm not hugely knowledgeable on star trek although i could name the regular cast of all of the series but i'm not it's not a it's not a it's not anything i'd ever claim to have um, special knowledge of, but I know Guy Signer's in it. Um, uh, and uh, uh, then our troubles really begin, says the Doctor, and grins away. I love that. Uh, you know that that it's and it's you know it's um, false bravado to 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 you know cover up from the real danger. That's what this Doctor does so well. And and again, you sort of think of Nida as sort of clipped and cold, but he always has a slightly sort of benign smile thing going on they're both 
I think the way that we think of these characters, because they're so indelible, Davros and Nida, actually undersells how brilliant and nuanced they are. We, I, I mean, I don't know a Doctor Who fan that doesn't like them, but I think they're one of those rare occasions where actually the reality of what they do is even better than what we think of them. Because I think you go in knowing that they're good. You go, you go to watch Genesis and you go, well, I know that Peter Miles and Michael Wish are good, but actually looking at them really closely, uh, they're better than that. Um, and the material they've got is good. They look good and they bring so much more to it. Um, look how inscrutable Peter Miles is. Um, and that mask, John Friedlander, that mask is so expressive and believable i believe that that is what davros looks like and that and this is great because miles is sort of miles isn't even the night is not 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 sure that he's, he's you know he's trying to control it well and he will he i can the death warrant of the whole of the college oh he's gonna kill his own people and this is a great bit because doesn't i say you would you would go that far. And he says, do you doubt it? Yeah. No. <laughs> that is great. The fact that he gives it a moment, but he doesn't, he doesn't change his expression. He's holding, ah, oh, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of acting that. It's a wonderful exchange. So they, they and, and, and because they're both on the same side and, and Nida is a loyal servant, this sort of stuff could be, could be really boring just two two villainous people being villainous but actually there's so much nuance to both characters and actually what i like is because you think nida has betrayed davros a little bit later it's it's not entirely out of the question that he might have done because of that sort of darting uh, intelligence and instinct um that that nida has where you sort of know well you know he's a guy who's who's weighing up where's the safer deep down you sort of go no he surely would never betray davros but but you also know that his survival instinct is such that well mighty i don't think he ever would but i like the fact that it's it's open to question um and i think we take peter miles for granted because he was in doc two so often he's brilliant he, as i say he was a strange man i think he was a bit of an eccentric uh uh, I remember him just kept saying in the Invasion of the Dinosaurs commentary to Terence Dix, Terence, don't you think that Grover is like Davros and Whitaker is like Nida? Terence, Terence Dix just sort of rather crumpling going, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it's very neat. Is that I haven't... I, uh, I, I have, and Davros is actually very plausible here with the, with the Thals too. Um, and again, there's quite a good. I know there's polo necks which are quite sort of seventies, but I actually, I think with 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 the sort of removal of of time, I think they look. I think they look. The costuming is fairly consistent. It doesn't look. 70s to me in the way that i used to oh my heart used to sink whenever anybody had flares on in a 70s doctor who story and i think it's because i am the youngest of four so i had flares as a hand-me-down 
uh, and was laughed at. My mother used to say, T tell them they're not flares, tell them they're straight-legged, because they are actually, they're straight-legged, they're not flares. And it's like, yeah, I don't think you know how bullies work, Mum. They do, Even if you're correct, they've decided that they're flares. And me, <laughs> me rejoining with facts <laughs> based on your understanding of uh, the correct terminology for fashion is, I don't think, is going to be the armour you think that it is. Um uh, but this is this is this is great uh, plot development uh, that that Davros would be so ruthless that he would destroy his own people. But you know, I'm I'm afraid I I feel there are politicians today who, to get what they want, would uh, sell all that is precious up the Swanee just for um, you know uh, a little bit of power or that which can facilitate the machinations of their own friends which saddens me because uh, uh, one would hope that people went into politics and public service only for good reasons um, now, uh, another interest I, I'm, I'm interested that I'm not watching this with my partner who is a wheelchair user who would probably be quite big on the whole idea that you know the disabled char character because he, he is disabled um i know it's it's slightly more than that because we you know there's a there's a reason for for him being half dalek half person which therefore inevitably has sort of well he's a person using a wheelchair sort of connotations even though it's not a wheelchair it's a dalek base but because uh, with recently there's a the new bond film out that i i haven't seen yet uh, where i think the the villain has uh, a disfigured face and you know i've seen a lot of talk on twitter about well wh why is it that disfigurement or disability is so often equated with evil um and that is a trope that is a oh i used to love this uh, when i remember being a kid thinking that was the most brilliant thing ever uh, and just so doctor who you know he would just brazenly go up to to them and go could you help me i'm a spy <laughs> oh, oh the hot power of that and the fact that he whacks their heads together because actually if you knock people out you could cause some permanent damage but uh, being knocked out in uh, programs like doctor who is just sort of is an everyday thing and, and once you recover consciousness you just go about your daily business and often give chase whereas actually a clonk on the head that's hard enough to knock you out uh, I, I mean you definitely need to go and see a doctor um so uh yeah this is a little bit of uh yeah he put he puts his gun down wait to, to go and talk to two people he doesn't actually know um that that's a bit way too casual um and also if you get punched in the stomach they needed to hit him on the head because you don't get knocked unconscious by being punched in the stomach um so <laughs> but you know we know that these are the the vagaries of violence in a children's tea time thing um and i'm only i'm you know i'm only mocking it because it's there uh it died you know i don't care um yeah, come on, go on, off you go, Mutos. Uh, so the Doctor... So, yeah, this this cliffhanger coming up is not the cliffhanger that I was used to because the cliffhanger of the cassette... Uh, yeah, well, it's not the cassette, Toby. Um, I don't know where the other Mutos go either. I hope they get out alive. Um, but again, this is this is nicely, you know, sort of grim attention to detail. Not just leave it there. Have them come and shoot straight away, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um, 
but this, yeah, the, so the cliffhanger on the cassette is is from next week when the Doctor, you know, when the dome uh, has been blown up uh, and the Doctor says, and I sent Sarah and Harry in there. And then you hear the explosion again because this cliffhanger wouldn't have worked uh, on audio. But I remember when I watched the Doctor Who and the, the monsters and this bit was the cliffhanger being like, no, no, that's that's not the proper cliffhanger. And of course, it's just a it's just a random sort of jeopardy moment. It's not the most memorable cliffhanger in the world where I sent Sarah and Harry in there is uh, it really is. Uh, this is just like the 25 minutes are up. We need something. We need that man to recover from the blow to the stomach that knocked him unconscious. So there we are. Doctor Who, Tom Baker. Um, so interesting it's 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 a sort of there's a there's a there, there is stuff you could lose in there but um and a lot of it is is sort of machinations isn't it it's uh you know it's the developing sort of um political uh situation uh and the little factions off against each other that i mean i like because it means and and especially as i think because i was used to this in in short form you're gonna say cassette again toby shut up um <laughs> uh, i i think when i first saw this i actually liked the breathing space that the story was given because because and, and, and realizing that actually some of those scenes that weren't needed in that shorter version do actually really help to give the story some texture and all of the characters are sort of believable um and and that even though it's they've been imposed back into the story as I knew them, uh, don't I think slow the door story down particularly? Yeah, the 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 cliffhanger's fairly disposable, and the clams are an embarrassment. But other than that, uh, you know, all, all, all of that is still high end Doctor Who, uh, and and even the scenes that are quite talky and dialogue heavy are are done with conviction by good actors, all of whom I think have made those dialogue scenes scenes really work you know the, the councillor the councillors have not agreed then the councillors are fools you know i buy all those even though the the you know the the wider world of politics is represented by one man in a polo neck jumper you know i i, I do believe that world i do believe that uh that the, the doctor's trying to get the feelers out there uh but what is my favorite bit of that episode <laughs> i'm gonna nail my colors to the mast um uh, and I need to come back to the disability thing as well because I started talking about the James Bond film and uh, uh, and uh, and the thing of disfigurement uh, meaning bad, uh, which is interesting. And I'm not condemning uh, anything. Um, I, I just think it's interesting to talk about. Um, and I, you know, and I don't think there was malice uh, in the hearts of uh, Doctor Who uh, makers in 1975. Thing, you know. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to look at now, and I certainly don't think it's uh, it, you know it takes away from the brilliance of what Davros is. But he exists within a a a, 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 a tradition uh, that itself is is worth us considering, especially now. Um, and you know, especially well, let, let, I'll talk about disability later because uh, now listen. Um, and I, you know, and I've only become aware of a lot of this stuff because I'm, you know, happen to have shacked up uh, with a with a, a disabled performer. So my sensibilities have been attuned to this. So, I, you know, I'm claiming no 
no virtue on on my part. It's it's only when we become aware of things that uh, well that's answered its own question. That's that's that answers itself in the setup. We only become aware of things when we're aware of them. My favourite thing. Uh, what's your favourite thing about uh, Happy Times and Places episode three of Genesis of the Daleks? Everyone, it's the bit where Toby shuts up. Okay, uh, my favourite thing about episode three, which I think says a lot about how I the bits of Doctor Who that really appealed to me and when I was a kid uh, is the bit where Hilary Minster, General von Klinkerhofen off of Hello Hello, Marat off of uh, uh, Planet of the Daleks and now the Thal soldier who uh, for the sake of nothing else but to add a bit of uh, the muscular to Genesis of the Daleks uh, kicks Sarah Jane, holds her and dangles her down. It's it's horrible. It's not very Doctor Who-y. Doctor Who is, is often much more fantastical than that. But it's just a moment where that the doesn't need to be there, but the art lies in the fact that it is there. And, and, and it's a particular sort of violent and sadistic art that somehow in the containable world of Doctor Who uh, appeals to me. And I'm sorry about that. And so... Uh, Let's see what David Quantic, genius comedy writer, has chosen for his thing for episode three. For episode three, I choose Davros. Oh, God. Davros is one of the great Doctor Who characters. He's an unusual Doctor Who character because he only exists in the context of another character, i.e. the Daleks. But he's kind of that thing of upping your game. As everyone knows about the sitcom Frasier, Frasier's brother is like Frasier, only more so. Niles is more nimini-pimini, more fastidious, more pedantic, more annoying than Frasier, and it works really well. And Davros is, in a sense, the Niles to the Daleks, Frasier. Take the Daleks, the most horrible creatures in the history of science fiction. They don't look like aliens, they don't look like robots, they're not as has been said, bug-eyed monsters. How can we make it worse? Well, cut one in half and stick a wizened old man in with a load of weird gubbins all round his head and a voice which is actually nastier than a Dalek's voice. Davros is kind of worse because he looks a bit like us. He's partly human. And they gave him, I think, a great hammer horror reveal in the start of the series. And it's interesting, Davros is your classic character who gets killed off at the end. Oops. Didn't think that one through, did we, Terry Nation? And then keeps coming back year after year after year. He's met all of them. I don't think he met Jodie Whittaker. That was an omission. I love Davros. Um, yeah, well, I actually get that point. This is one of the advantages uh, of, uh, of this game for me, is that uh, if I have already chosen something and the person chooses it, I get the point. So... I get a point uh, for Davros, um, which means I'm glad I chose him early. But I had to, didn't I? I'm so enthused by Davros. Um, and it's interesting because in, in that episode, he was he was very quiet and calculating. I love that description of him as the Niles of Doctor Who. I also like the word nim nimily pimily. Um, but yeah, that, that it's very true. Because if you think about sort of Day of the Daleks and Planet of the Daleks, 
which are a, a great but unremarkable stories. The Daleks are sort of going through. You get the Supreme Dalek with the great torch on its head in in Planet, but I think they've. But but you know, there's the you know the master plan. Oh, we're we're talking to all the aliens in the galaxy. You know, um, uh, power. Oh, they're 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 sneaky. David Whitaker writes them so well. Evil. We've got the Emperor Dalek. When I, 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 when, when they decide to do, the, there's a sense of occasion about the Daleks coming back. Um, which is sometimes why I object in the new series where they have cameos in stories because then the Daleks having their own stories it's just like well they're always popping into it in a in a flashback or a dream sequence or whatever and you go oh um, but that's a that's for another time but but Davros yeah he ups he ups the stakes but I also think and and because the because the Daleks are brilliant I mean they're fantastic but to then give them a to, 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 to have a slightly humany Dalek to then do all the things that the Daleks do, but you know, have no mercy, speak in a shouty staccato way when necessary, but then to add to that a bit of cunning, a bit of guile, a bit of duplicity, uh, a bit of vulnerability even, and you suddenly go, oh, that's actually made it's it's sort of like the Dalek and human factor combined uh, from evil, which where where that's so effective. But they've actually embodied it in one, in one person. I think Davros is brilliant. I think Michael Wisher is so good. I think that mask is fantastic. Yes, David, I agree that Davros is brilliant, and I chose him an episode ago. So, put that in your pipe and smoke it, uh, along with some smoked salmon and scrambled eggs. No, it's tossed salad and scrambled eggs, isn't it? I always I could never quite work out what it was that Frazier was singing. So that would have been a great way to end if he'd actually said smoked salmon but it's tossed salad and scrambled eggs boom 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 i don't know uh it's it's been a long time since i've seen frazier that could have been a really neat uh package tied up and an exit and i've failed it up i got delusions of grandeur and ended up with uh, egg on my face how very like frazier or niles you decide take care and yeah, it says here, shamelessly plug anything you have coming up or your online presence. Well, I'm on Twitter, and on Twitter I'll be talking about my forthcoming quiz book, Quantic's Quite Difficult Quiz Book, which contains, I hope, many, many Doctor Who-related rounds, including Doctor Who villain or musical instrument. I'm sure you can guess the crossover there. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is David Quantic, who can be found on Twitter at Quantic, and his book is out on November the 2nd. These podcasts are only possible thanks to the generosity of patrons, who include John Turner, Gary Wales, Alistair Wallace, Gavin Ware, Peter Ware, Rich Wiggins, Sidney Wilson, Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, John Curley, Mark Dakin, John Elledge, Gary Gillett, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, Dave Hoskins, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Ashley Knight, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, Nathan Martin, David Matthewman, John McClay and Hugh Davies. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Would you like to be a patron? Well, if you would, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. It costs as little as £3 a month. 
And for that, well, you could have been listening to this months ago. Oh, there was still petrol and fish when this <laughs> podcast was first released. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you also get bonus material that's exclusive to patrons, including a whole podcast called Far Too Much Information, where you can find out all sorts of information you didn't even know you needed to find out. And you might not be sure you needed to find out afterwards, but it's got good music, and I do my best to keep it light and fun. Uh, And if you cannot do the monthly subscription, I totally understand that. But if you're passing by uh, ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock, you can throw me some pennies to buy a metaphorical coffee, uh, uh, should you ever... Uh, particularly have enjoyed something that I've done or just feel sorry for me. Um, (laughs) Those things are equally possible. I also know it's not possible for everybody to contribute financially and I'm just mostly grateful that you listen and that there's an audience out there. But it's Doctor Who. There's always more of an audience and there's so much to choose from. It really helps and costs you nothing if you give this a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from and perhaps leave some nice words of appreciation that will help this to stand out amongst uh, all of the other Doctor Who podcasts and perhaps point people in its direction who might not yet have availed themselves of the opportunity. If you could do that, I'd be very, very grateful. And where I'm sitting now would be a happier time and place. I'm on Twitter at Toby Haydock. Uh, these podcasts have their own feed at Haydock Podcasts. And I also am a stand-up comedian and do a live comedy show in Manchester every Tuesday at Excess Malarkey, which is the Breadshed Manchester, 8pm. Uh, and we have a online version of that, that show uh, the first Sunday of every month on twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey there's an archive of past shows and past guests up there right now and it's absolutely free we do encourage donations but it's free at the point of entry so give it a whirl if you fancy brightening your day Literally, as I recorded that, my copy of Evil of the Daleks popped through the letterbox. So now we can begin the final end. Um, So see ya.